You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away, back, goal! Go, hey! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live. It's Friday from the Treehouse. It's happy hour coming up here at 4.30. Everybody is allowed in. Of course, we're going to have fireworks tonight after the game. And it's going to be Queen blaring in the stadium. It's going to be a great time. And, of course, we have a great show for you. Coming up here, we're going to have Vince Catronio at 4.30, A's new outfielder Cal Stevenson at 4.45, the manager of your Oakland Athletics, Mark Kotze, at 5.50. At some point, I'm being told, Dallas Braden will make his way, but with Dallas Braden, you never know. And Aaron Goldsmith, of course, broadcaster for the Mariners, joins us right now. And it's great to see you and great to have you. And, and how about our treehouse here? You know, last time I saw you guys here at the Coliseum, you had on like your SPF 75. You were down on the field and you were just you were beats. You you look terrible. <laughs> so I'm, this is a much better setup for both of you. I'm very happy. I'm, I'm happy for the full production. Well, you know, we, we were trying to get a Copper Tone uh, sponsor for that <laughs> one. But uh, now this is what we got going. Th- th- this, this originally was a bar for the Raiders. It was Mount Davis. It was just a generic bar. There's one on the other side just like it. And when the A's took over, they wanted to do something different. And we created a treehouse in here to give you more of a fun vibe of the DJ and a party going out here. So a lot of people, like when you come in and do the game as a broadcaster for another team, you haven't seen all the different stuff we've done to the old the old girl. We've kind of spiced up the uh, Coliseum a little bit. Well, I'd never been out here before. And when I was walking, when I made the voyage from the broadcast booth all the way out here, you know those like the end of days movies <laughs> where there's just a very select – human population left yeah and when they see someone else it's this combination of excitement and terror like like, like the comet had come by and yeah. only a few people and survived and so it's like are, are these good people or are they bad people yeah. will they help us or hurt us like that's how i felt when i made my my walk here because there there weren't many people gotta tell you from the broadcast booth to the treehouse but everyone i encountered was very nice and they helped guide me here yeah, you're not in Seattle anymore. You're you're in Oakland. It's far different from uh, T-Mobile. We always love to call it Safeco. Far. F- uh, I've, I've I've never I've never called it the wrong name. Can I am I am I going to jinx myself now? That's probably my most proud broadcast accomplishment is I never called it Safeco in the in the T-Mobile park. Era. I can't stop calling the Indians the the, the Guardians. I've done the that one time. I, I was a kangaroo court fine. I, I still can't get over that. And then I'm so used to Safeco. We actually, so we have the TV studio that I built at my house, and we have taken 
little things from each stadium in our division. So we have a oh. ra- we have a rally monkey. We have a Nolan Ryan bobblehead. We have a Safeco Field snow globe, if you remember that, where, okay. the, where the roof goes back and forth when you shake Very it. Very nice. Yeah, so you guys are represented represented on our uh, I appreciate set. that. That's good to know. Well, I got to tell you, guys are rolling. Yeah, I mean, man, they are. Man, I remember when you guys were here June 21st. It was not looking good. The uh, – you know, we always talk about the run differential. For you guys, it's the fun differential. The fun differential wasn't going good. And then now, since that point, best record in the American League. It's been remarkable. Uh, you look at kind of how this happened for the Mariners. The, the bullpen got hot. It has stayed hot. The rotation got hot. It has stayed hot. It has been a durable rotation. Of course, they added to it, getting Luis Castillo at the deadline. The biggest name in terms of a starting pitcher that was available, and he's lived up to the building so far in a handful of starts that have come against Garrett Cole twice and then Shohei Otani. So he's only facing aces on the other side. It's like he only faced the, like, also from the Reds to you guys, it's like Yankee Yankees, after Yankee Yankees. after Yankee. <laughs> That's exactly. Like. He had three starts against the Yankees in about a four week stretch, and he dominated them every time. It was, I mean, that's remarkable in and of itself. The offense has found consistency, the lineup has gotten healthier. And you couple even just a kind of adequate, healthy lineup with what the Mariners have rolled out in terms of the pitching side of things, and you can do great things, and the Mariners have done really great things over the last couple of months. They have the third-best record in the American League right now. Yeah, and the other thing is the bullpen's been real hot. It's been incredible. I mean, to me, when you look at, like, if you want to pinpoint a guy, Andres Munoz came over from the Padres. He was in that deal back in 2020, the mega deal. Ty France is the biggest name that has come to the Mariners in terms of, of really producing. Of course, he's become an all-star first baseman. But Andres Munoz was on the injured list at the time. Tommy John, super young then, still super young now, but especially young then, made his Mariners debut game 162 of last year. Okay, They get him on the mound, kind of an attaboy. Hey, great job on the recovery. Let's get you on the mound one time, build some confidence going into the offseason. So we really, in other words, had not seen him as a Mariner, generally speaking, until this year. We knew he threw 100. Okay, We knew he had a great slider. But he has evolved into one of the dirtiest relievers in the American League, especially if you look at relievers who are not exclusively ninth-inning relievers. Um, He throws 100. He's topped out at 103. His slider, this would be something for you guys to watch. It's really remarkable. His slider went from being about – 84 to 86 miles an hour to now, like, on the low end, 87 up to 91 to 92. And with the firmer slider, his fastball has become significantly more difficult to hit. His fastball was getting torched. Even though it was 100 miles an hour, torched. And he was throwing 70% sliders, 30% fastballs. And you could tell, even though he had an elite fastball, hitters were on it. Now that he's throwing his slider harder, I mean, his strikeout rate is through the roof. If you look at you – know, it depends on what time frame you're looking at, but north of 40% if you look at just a more recent stretch of time over the last month plus or so. He's been a major factor, major factor in what has been a, an elite-level bullpen. You know, and I just start looking at, you know, where the Mariners are right now, where everybody is, because we can see the finish line, now, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you still got a ways to go. It's like you're, you're running that 5K, and you're like, I can't believe my wife made me do this. And, like, you're coming around that corner. you got a long way to go, but you can actually see people, and that, that's kind of where we are. And I think about where the Mariners are, and, you know, like just getting in, not only will it be big for the city, 
and with the Seahawks maybe being down, mm-hmm. maybe kind of taking the city back a little bit, but the the fact that they'll be able to celebrate the first time in the playoffs since 01, just how big would that be for Seattle? You almost can't quantify it. I mean, Seattle was like an 80-grade baseball town, right? Like when you look back at the 01 Mariners and that historic season that they had, I mean, that place – Talk about Safeco Field. I mean, that place was packed to the gills for batting practice, right, let alone first pitch. We haven't, we haven't seen those kind of crowds for exclusively baseball. We've seen it for a Griffey retirement ceremony, right? There's Ichiro's going to the Mariners Hall of Fame. We'll see it because of that. But now we're seeing it because of the play on the field. We are seeing the crowds come back. It helps in particular also that you have – a young face that you can put with this team in Julio Rodriguez that is a blossoming superstar this year. He's a home run away from a 2020 season. He'll be the ninth guy 21 years or younger with a 2020 season in history. I mean, it's remarkable. Uh, so it wants so badly to be a baseball town, and it's right on the cusp. And I mean, Fangraphs today had him, at, I want to say, like a 90% chance to make the playoffs, even if it's the wild card, which it will be. I mean, the division is the Astros, obviously. The, the wild card will feel like going to the World Series. Well, it's just odd when you just think about it and you go the longest drought out of, out of the big four, you know, NHL, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, the biggest drought is Seattle. You expect that when you'd say, okay, the L.A. Clippers, the Cleveland Browns, the, the Detroit Lions. It's hard to think Seattle because Seattle, as you mentioned, with a new young talent, but there's always been ever since – Griffey, A-Rod, Randy Johnson, you know, then you, you, know, you start the Ichiro shows up. There's always been a really good player or group of players. It's just that drought is just, it's shocking. Well, I mean, to your point, if you look at, if you wanted to make a Mount Rushmore of every franchise, like the Mariners' Mount Rushmore legit. is legit, man. Yeah. I mean, it is, you got, I mean, obviously uh, Junior, and you have got Randy and Edgar and Ichiro, and it goes on and on from there. So you're right. It does feel strange when you put it kind of in that context. And even, you know, past those guys and beyond 01, you know, the Mariners have had some dudes, right? They've had Cano. They've had Cruz. They've had Segura. They've had Felix up on the mound. Uh, They've had names in the last 10 years or so. And to the Mariners' credit, I mean, last year the Mariners went into the game 162 with a chance to make the playoffs. They've They've been in that position multiple times in the last decade, going into the last series or the last game for a chance for a play-in or a chance for the wild card, and it hasn't worked out. But this year certainly feels different. And, you know, they, they won 14 games in a row going into the All-Star break, and it's, it's amazing. This might surprise you. It's amazing what a 14-game winning streak will do <laughs> to, to where you are in the standings. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the Mariners are – but to their credit, I don't want to belittle it and make it seem like they just won 14 games and then mailed it in. They've built on that momentum. They have kept it up. Winning 14 again obviously is impossible or next two – but that wasn't the start and the end of it. They've maintained great momentum, and they continue to play well, and it's been driven generally by the pitching. Well, we've had three losing streaks of at least nine games. I can tell you how that helps out. <laughs> that, that's a lot of fun, promoting before every game and after game. Now, it's, it's uh, interesting to see because the Astros right now, and wouldn't you say as we follow it, and it, you know, we've gone through summer – I mean, when, when we were in New York in June, it was over. Yankees, I mean, right. they were sizing up their World Series rings. And now where we are heading to the end of August, truly in the dog days, is we're in a stretch of 17 straight games. 
it's a whole different deal now. The Astros have the top seed. Look out, here comes teams in the Central a little bit better. Cleveland would be a tough matchup. You guys are a tough matchup. Things have changed from where we were well before the All-Star game. Absolutely, and the Mariners have generally an exceptionally easy schedule the rest of the way, but there are some exceptions to that. For example, the Mariners have two series, seven games left against the Guardians. They have not seen Cleveland left. They have a series against Atlanta remaining at home, a series against the Padres remaining also at home. Uh, and other than that, generally speaking, I mean, it's they're done with the Astros, which is pretty wild to think about. It's okay. You can say it. It's a lot of A's. We're on there a, a lot. It's a lot of A's. <laughs> it's, it's, okay. a, it's a lot of A's, Rangers, and Angels. Uh, yeah. And mix that in with some teams from the Central and the Tigers and the, and the Royals you know, outside of those kind of um, the, the White Sox for a series. But they are in position to finish strong over the last month and change. Well, the thing for us is what we're trying to find, and it, it drives me nuts because I've heard so many people talk about, well, the, you know, the A's are young. Oh, we're not young. We, we, you, got, you got a little younger, though, when you lost a couple of guys, well, though, right? Yeah, we were averaging at times our lineup, everybody almost over 30. Our Still, our average age is almost 29. So, yeah, letting Piscotty go and letting Elvis go mm -hmm. has helped a little bit, but our average age for position players is still over 28. But we're starting to see some young guys, mm -hmm. and I think what you can talk to about when a guy like Julio Rodriguez comes up and you see this young guy, not only – the now but the future what it gives you that's what A's fans want to see yeah and the, the Mariners have waited man they waited a long time for somebody like a Julio um, the Mariners really haven't had a position player prospect come up and be what Julio is or even have the billing of what Julio is I mean truly the last position player prospect that had that type of promise is Jared Kelnick right and that was last year and that did not go well last year it has not gone well this year either uh, but Julio has become somebody who you can envision kind of being one of those five to seven kind of face of baseball guys in a few years from now because he has everything I mean he does it all on the field he's got that spark that it factor about him in front of the camera you gravitate to him. I mean, if you're a national broadcast, that's the guy you want to mic up. Right? That's the guy you're going to have the cameras on because he's so expressive. You can see the joy. It just exudes into your ballpark and into your clubhouse. And when he was gone, he was hit on the wrist by a pitch and, and went on the injured list. Like, you feel there's a, there's, like, there's a little energy vacuum when he's not there. Now, the Mariners – manage the waters okay without him but obviously he's a dynamic player he does it all he's such a freak man he's a st I, I can't imagine having him play when there wasn't stat casts to measure his freakdom because like you need things like that to know exactly how great yeah. he is because he's he's just that type of a talent and to do it at 21 i mean i don't anybody who says that they thought that this was going to be what his season was going to be like. They just don't know anything about baseball because 21-year-olds don't come up generally and do this type of stuff. And then Kalanick was, you know, I remember being down at spring training and it was like, are they going to hold him back because of service time and this guy's the next this and next that. What happened to him? You know, I really thought this year, so Kalanick finished last year strong, especially strong compared to what he had posted in his career to that point in a short sample in, in the majors. I really thought that this year having Julio break camp with the Mariners and be in the opening day roster would be a huge help to Jared because it would take focus off of Kelnick and the eyes would go on Julio and Kelnick could kind of ease into the season with everybody 
putting a magnifying glass over the 21-year-old in center field as opposed to the the young kid in right field in Kelnick, and that was a that was a terrible theory. I mean, that, that did not work out. Uh, Julio has an ability, even when things were going rough in April. I mean, he hit under 200 in April. He got rung up, I want to say, 12 times on a strike three call that was outside the zone in a month, in one month. And he never, he never wore it on his face. His body language always stayed the same. He has an ability to hang with him and to kind of buoy those choppy waters. And then you look at his numbers since May 1, man, and it's like, this is Julio. There aren't many players that young or even kind of in the area code of his age that can do that. And Jared struggled with some of that. I mean, he's admitted that in so many words. He has all the talent. Um, It just has not clicked this year. He's still so – I mean, he's still younger than Adley Runchman. Both guys, but I'm, I'm talking specifically about Jared Kelnick. Yeah, he's young. He's a young guy. So, I mean, point being, nobody's given up on Jared Kelnick yet, but when you think about where the Mariners are right now and they're doing it without somebody in Kelnick that they projected to be an everyday regular contributor offensively and defensively, I mean, that is kind of further testament to the quality of play for the Mariners this year. You know, when we bring a lot of the other team's broadcasters on, you know, the fan base may go, I have no idea who that guy is. But, of course, with you, we see you doing national games, and you will be on the national. See, with this kind of hair, you just can't well, be regional. I mean, with this kind of hair, you got to be national. And you'll be national tomorrow with Eric Carroll. Where, where do you see it tomorrow? Let's see when I'm with Carroll. So we've got this, like, real hair. I just give in. It's a battle. Yeah, Carroll's has got it. I mean, like, if you measured, like, vertical leap of hair, you know. The Carols has just got me doubled over. So how are we going to get the mention of A's cast in mm. the national broadcast yeah. well, probably, tomorrow? Probably Selfishly, the, I would like to know that. I mean, probably in the open right off the top. You know, as I talked about yesterday on A's cast. Boom, I love it. You know, so I, I, I can think, stand out there, like yeah. remind you of the broadcast booth. I'd be waving at yeah, you. Something, right. something subtle like that. Yeah. You know, I expect a pretty big boost and everything you have a connect four board here by the way is there a reason for this? yes because we will be pulling once the fans come in here at 4 30 we will be playing games we're doing all kinds of games and everything and we will live oh we'll be live playing games with fans okay and they're drinking so what, <laughs> what possibly could go wrong <laughs> all right it's a good operation you guys have here Let's end on this. Uh, so when you get ready, so obviously this is a great buffer for tomorrow because you got the national game tomorrow. allows you to know a little bit more about the A's. How important is it to, you know, when you're doing the actual game that it's your team, right. it's your employer, but now we got to play, hey, it's the Mariners in the A's. And how, for sure. how, what is that like? You know, it's tough. I remember I did a, a Mariners at Astros game years ago at this point. And the Astros had, like, a real dude on the mound. You know, maybe it was Verlander or somebody like that. And he punched out one of the Mariners' big bats, Nelson Cruz or whoever, it doesn't matter, in a clutch situation late. You know, seventh inning, one-run game, man at second, and struck him out to end the inning. And there's 40-some thousand Astros fans. <laughs> and and I, like, I went with it, right? Like, yeah. my call, like, went with the big moment. And it just felt so dirty. Like, it felt just so terrible to – get into a Verlander punch out of a Mariner hitter, but 
that's what I had to do, right? And of course, you get there are people who give you flack about it, and they're oh, all back they're home, all they're idiots. Like, you you know? traitor! It's like, me, hey, just, you traitor! Yeah, because you know what? If it wasn't me on the call, they'd be griping about some national guy who's mispronouncing some Mariners player's name. So we all like to gripe. I get that, and there's no better platform than online. Uh, but it is it it can be a little odd to be honest, for sure, because you have to you have to remember. Like my biggest concern, I'm not a real big first name guy. But, like, I call Julio Julio a lot. Like, I feel like Julio Rodriguez has reached first-name status. He's Madonna. Yes, he is, he is the Madonna of the Mariners. Elvis. Yeah. But, like, I don't want to say that tomorrow. Like, I'm going to have to – I'm going to write down his name, first and last name in my scorebook tomorrow. And I might even highlight Rodriguez just to make sure I don't – So, Julio Rodriguez, A's cast. Yes, those are my in, – in, in reverse order, EK, that's my priority. Eric Carroll has been on A's cast multiple oh, really? times. Multiple yes. times. I, I, if you ask him about it, I bet he wouldn't remember just knowing so, Eric Carroll. I'll, I'll be sure to bring up a, a good conversation with him about our, our best A's cast memories. <laughs> yeah. Hey, great stuff. We always hey, appreciate man. it. It's great to be with You're you. You're one of the best in the business. Hey. And it's always an honor to have you on the program. It's great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me always. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Welcome back to A's Cast Live. Vince Catronio is going to join us coming up here at 4.30 as this has actually turned out to be a great backdrop. Like all these years that we have been here, now it's been... God, what, what, what was the first year of the treehouse? Was it 2018 was the first year of the treehouse, I want to say? Sounds about right. I mean, my first year at the org was the next year, but then it was already open. So 2018 sounds about right. Yeah, so essentially. Wait, what, weren't you talking to Renetti when we did Inside, Inside the A's where he was worrying about construction going on? So maybe it was 2019. No, because I remember it was Warriors. I actually was doing the Warriors playoff game over at Oracle and not doing the play-by-play, obviously. I was doing the pre and the post. And I walked over, and we were getting close to the Bay Bridge series. And 
they had just laid the actual flooring in here and outside, the outside bar, and that's where I would first do, um, and what do we call it, the dugout show. I'd first do the dugout show, our old pregame show out there, and they were just laying. This big piece of wood had not come in yet. This big piece of wood right here, this took like um, cranes to bring this in. So the, the big pieces of wood were just not brought here on a truck. That Cranes had to lift them and bring them up here. So the whole construction, all this bar, when I first came in here to check it out before we would ever broadcast, wasn't even done yet. So it has now been a while. And unfortunately, when COVID happened, we couldn't, you know, the COVID season 2020, every show was done from my home studio. And then last year, they didn't want to put us out here. I don't even think this was even, was this even open? Were people able, were people able to come here in 2021? Maybe at the end of the season? I think once we let, like, full capacity fans, I think that's when we opened it. Because 2020, no. Remember when we had limited capacity? Yeah, here. I very think once, beginning. I think once, maybe when we hit June of last year, I think it fully opened. Cause I, yeah, I think so. Because I remember coming up here a few times when I was – when I was at the game, not working. So it is great to be back. And I didn't, you know, we thought about for this show. And if you're listening, athletics.com slash cast, thank you so much for you watching on Twitter or YouTube. I hope you're enjoying this backdrop because it actually is fantastic. This kind of gives us an idea of what we could do more with the treehouse going forward as A's cast live continues to grow more than just streaming audio. Now, turning into a television show. Uh, one thing that, from an A standpoint, wanted to get into today, and I thought about this a lot uh, after postgame, was great problem, bad problem. You know, it's a great problem right now that the A's have. I mean, my God, you look at the notes on Murph. Murph, since the All-Star break, has a 963 OPS, seven home runs, 16 RBIs, and probably the most important thing, like I can give you all of these numbers and, you know, all this, but the one thing for Murph that has changed and needs to change for him going forward as he's entering, or you could say right in his prime right now, ages 27, 28, 29, that is he's not striking out like he used to. 15 walks, 16 strikeouts since the All-Star break. If he truly is going to be a hitter that is going to man the 3-4 slot, going to be a guy that every single day, no matter where he is playing, catcher, DH, whatever, you're putting him in, you're putting him in, in, in a spot in the order where it is time to drive in runs. It is time to be a big boy in the lineup. Well, he's got to not strike out as much. And we're seeing when he doesn't strike out, make more contact, has the natural ability and the power to hit the ball to the ballpark, which change for him is going the other way with certain balls. That's increased his batting average. It's made all the numbers go up. The more contact that he makes, the more that he uses the opposite field, it's changed all his numbers. Now you throw in Langoliers, which, I mean – you can look at you can look at every scouting report you want. You can see some videos from AAA. You can look at box scores until you get to see it 
you're now seeing what everybody, of course, the great Fran Reardon was alluding to, is this guy's ability to hit the ball hard, hit the ball hard all over the ballpark. He did it all weekend long. He hit it down the line, the first ever pitch that he saw for a double. You saw in the second game, first at bat, before he went oppo jack, when he laced one down the left field line, but the third baseman was right there. Well, it wasn't down the line, but he ripped it right to third. The ability to get the hands in and turn on the ball and then later drive it out to right center to show the, the power to get out uh, to opposite field. And then, of course, doing it again with a double down the line. What you have right now, you know, good problem, bad problem. Great problem is, you know, you've got two guys that are elite, are elite talents, but the problem that you may have is that both guys play the same position. That's going to be a problem. If your two best offensive players play the same position, the answer is not saying put a guy at DH. One guy hits, one guy DH. That's not for, for their ages. That is not going to be the answer. So it is great that you have two guys at their age that we believe lately. Now, I'm putting the cart before the horse here. Get it. But once again, that's what we do uh, and with talk shows. But we're going we're gonna to say Langlier is going to be a, a highly offensive guy and Murphy's coming into his own. Well, I got two highly offensive guys that got to play. And that to me, and Vince Catronio is going to join us here, says here, broadcaster for the Oakland Athletics. Find him on Twitter, at Vince Baseball. Welcome to A's Cast Live. This is exciting. Here in the tree. Remember when you used to come out here every Friday? Yeah, a little table back here. You were kind of stuck in the corner. Nobody wanted to talk to you, and now look at you. We had seats. Remember those seats Mm -hmm. somehow? We had those leather seats. Somebody got you. Who got you those? I think it was Dave Renee. They were like the experimental seats for like the Coppola <laughs> something. Yeah. I have, I, you know, to be honest with you, I have no idea where they went. Everything, like we came back here, all our stuff was gone. Well, it's been a while since anybody had been here, so it's nice to kind of get it up and running again. How are you? I'm good. Good to be home. Good long homestand. Uh, Going to be playing some teams that are fighting for something. And Mark Kotze talked about it today. He goes, look, we've got 29 games left against teams with winning records. Uh, you know, it's an opportunity for our guys to see this, you know, try to compete see where they are, get an idea of what it's like to, to try to reach that level. You know, the A's were that team for years, you know, when they would face clubs that were out of contention, like Seattle. Yeah. But the tables sure have turned. Yeah, play spoiler. Let's have some fun. Well, it's I think when you have the team that the A's are now in transition with so many young players and they see what they're up against, hopefully it's the kind of thing that it inspires them or, or motivates them to – to do the things that are necessary to continue to grow their game, to be at a point where they can be that team. And there's only one way to do that. That's to do, you know, face-to-face. And so here we go. And it's almost that when you're in the dugout and you're watching or you're playing against one of these teams, it's that, aha, that's what you do at the big league level. Aha, that's how you win at the big league level. And there have been many times this year, it's no surprise, there have been many times this year where the A's young players have been in a circumstance either at the plate or making a play defensively where there is a teaching moment, you know, after the fact. And in a lot of cases, it's a circumstance, whether it's a rundown play or just making a play or turning a double play or positioning in a shift, where when that moment happens and it doesn't go the way they want, the conversation is, okay, now this has happened. And players have said, well, I've, I've, not, I've not experienced this before. The good news is many of them have said, you know, 
and it's now that I've seen it, I know how to react. And that has grown. That's been part of the process of where the A's are right now. A lot of credit to the coaching staff is, you know, two things. I mean, Mark Kotze is pretty adamant. We know this. I mean, you're here to win. You're not here to develop, but you're certainly here to teach. So that's where, they are, that's where the A's are right now. And I think there are, there are going to be, there are going to be more moments like that in the last 44, 43 games that the A's have. I was just talking about it before you came in, and I'm thinking about our conversation from the end of the game yesterday and then after kind of talking myself into it and then knowing today we were going to talk about this going, you know, it's a, you know your two best offensive players in spring training heading into next year, we could realize, and we there's a lot that could go on, right? But could be Langoliers and, and Murph. Yeah. Could be your two best offensive players. And when you have your two best offensive players, they both got to play. And great problem, but it could be a problem. I don't think long-term your problem is flipping DH catching, flipping DH catching. I'm going to be real interested to see what they're going to do with this. Well, we got a long way to, before that. We have to worry about that. And I think they were pretty clear about how the rest of this season will play out, at least the majority of the season, where Sean Murphy's going to catch, you know, five and a half, six days a week, as he should. He's a gold glove catcher. He's an all-star caliber catcher. He's had an incredible year for the athletics. I mean, you don't. Walk away from that because you've got your number one prospect playing the same position. I will say this. In the handful of games we saw Shea play down in Texas, he's checked a lot of boxes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> pop time of 1.8 on that great throw to second base, throwing out Marcus Simeon. You know, the home run to right center field. You know, the double in his first at bat down the left field line. Made a nice, you know, he, he should have blocked the ball. He didn't, but he recovered, made the play at the plate with a flip home when the tag was applied by, by Zach Logue. So those are... Those are things that make you say, man, we gave up an incredible talent in, in Matt Olson. Everybody knows that. What did we get back? Oh, well, this, this looks like it might, might be something. I'm not going to worry about how they're going to handle spring training of next year when I still want to finish and see what the A's are going to do in, in 2022. I, I just can't go there. And, you know, given what the A's did spring training this year with Bassett and Manaya and uh, Chapman and Olson all you know, going to different, different teams – you don't know where that process is with this ball club. Sean Murphy's a guy that was talked about at the trade deadline. Fortunately, the A's held on to him. If, if they pick up the phone in the winter and they say Sean Murphy's available, David Force will be, be very busy on the phone, and he'll have a lot of opportunity to consider what offers might be. I, I don't want to have to worry about that until that actually presents itself. You know, we have all these Moneyball memes that are out there on Twitter. We could have one of these Moneyball memes where you got Brad Pitt and the actor who played Ron Washington – and it says, it's extremely easy to play third base. Here's a third base glove, Shay. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Yeah, I don't I, see him maybe. I mean, first baseman, I don't know body type exactly first base. But he, well, one thing I, we do know, and Fran Reardon had told us uh, on this show before, is that StatCast loves his athleticism sure. and his speed. And for Steve Rodriguez, who used to be the head coach at uh, Baylor, told us he did play some outfield. So it will be interesting to see. But, yeah, they could be, you never know, they're the two best hitters for the A's. That will be interesting. When I think about uh, the guy who's the manager for the Seattle Mariners is a guy you know very well. And their fun differential is fun all of a sudden again. Yeah, it is. And ever since that June 21st date when they showed up here, 10 games under 500, they have the best record in baseball. And they're one of, I mean, we can get into Cleveland. We can get into a few of these stories. 
in the American League that are really good stories. It's just not all, hey, the Yan you know, back in June, the Yankees were in the World Series. Everybody was sizing up those World Series rings, and now it's a whole different ballgame. Well, that's why you play 162. That's the beauty of this sport, that the, you know, the marathon of who can actually last the longest. The things that I see with Seattle are, I am, makes me hopeful for the future of the athletics. You, you see Logan Gilbert, and you see uh, George Kirby in the rotation, and I'm thinking about Gunnar Hoagland, and I'm thinking about JT Ginn. I'm thinking about Ryan Cusick. Joey Estes, I'm thinking about these young arms, J.P. Sears, who's here now, and will they become the kind of court or rotation that we're seeing that's happening? And with the, with the Mariners, they put those guys up there pretty quickly. So I'm talking if they stay healthy, that maybe mid-24 you see these guys consistently getting start after start. I'm getting way ahead of myself, but I, I think that's the way I look at it. They have, without question in my opinion, the most exciting young player in the league, in Julio Rodriguez. He's got a chance to be 20-20 already. It'll be the 10th time it happens for the Mariners. He's got 19 home runs. He's the leader for the Rookie of the Year. It's not a lock yet because I think Adley Rutschman is deserving some consideration. Adam, I mean, wow. Yeah. It's Buster Posey 2.0. But this kid, this kid has an electric smile, taught himself English, watching the MLB Network. Uh, he gets it. He, he's good with kids. He's good with the media. He, he, at his age, which is 21 or 22, he's accepting his role. That's, that just doesn't happen. That's a very, very special player. He's outgoing, uh, and he's fun to watch. And this is going to be a tough series for the A's just to see how they play against these guys. And, you know, they have not played well against them all year. What I like about tonight's game, Chris, is you've got two pitchers. And the year velocity, you know, everybody throwing 97, whatever. You've got two guys that are painters. With Marco Gonzalez with a little cutter, works inside, and, you know, Cole Irvin, who throws 91-92, but not afraid to throw the four-seamer inside. And the other sidebar with Cole, you may recall last year, a little too chatty about the Seattle Mariners after the first game. I shouldn't give up that many hits of this kind of a lineup. Ended up going 0-5 against Seattle. He was humbled at the end of the year. He said as much in his last press conference. This is the first game against the Mariners this year. We'll see how this year rolls out for him. Fast workers. Yes. That's a good thing, if they're too. they're too fast, we got we got fire. Hey, whoa, slow it down. We got Queen we here. Got Mulder, we got Mulder. We got Mulder and Burley. Tap the brakes. <laughs> Hold on. We, we got to get dark. No, but it's going to be uh, it's gonna be nice to, to see Cole get on the mound against them. And, you know, he still has one of the better ERAs in the American League. He's number eight, you know, 3.1. The thing that, that surprised me, and look, when a guy makes 30 starts and throws close to 200 innings, which Cole is in the process of doing, uh, you're going to have a little bit of a, of a stub toe. And I thought his last start was a, was a stub toe from this perspective. Five, all, five out, all five runs he gave up against Houston came with two outs. And four of those came with two outs and nobody on base. That's how the inning started. That's not a Cole Irvin game. Cole Irvin knows how to close out an inning. And I think that will be tightened up tonight against Seattle. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, any surprises going on in baseball for you right now when you start looking at races? I, you know, all of a sudden, you know, another city that was sizing up rings was San Diego, and that's right the now they are struggling. Yep, that's that's the one because they're they're under 500 since the trade deadline. Josh Bell has not played that well for them. We know the Tatis story. I think Elvis Andrus was in conversation with those guys as well before signing with the Chicago White Sox because they had a needed shortstop without Tatis and playing uh, Hung Sung, Sung Kim there at, at, uh, at shortstop. So, uh, to me, that's probably the top of the list. The other one would be the Guardians. I mean, the Guardians are a team that, outside of, you know, Jose Ramirez, aren't really all that flashy. They pitch and they catch the ball. They put the ball in play. They don't strike out. You know, they do all these little things, and they're winning games. And they've been a, you know, I, we all root for Terry Francona. We love the guy. And he, he, to me, that's been an interesting story that they've, they've hung in there 
as long as they have. Minnesota made a big splash before the season, made a big splash at the uh, at the trading deadline, and then here, here's still Cleveland running the what, run, you know, running the show. We picked on this show a National League and an American League team to root for the rest of the way, and because of our beloved Ray Fossey and the way they play, I went Guardians. Okay, they make contact, they steal bases, like they that. pitch, they're young, yeah. uh, and then I'm going the Fightins. Really? Going the Phils. You know, you get you get uh, Nola, and you get uh, Wheeler, and you get Ranger Suarez in a in a three game series. Bryce Harper's taking BP. Yeah, they they could be, they could be interesting. I wonder if it, it would be if it would be a factor for them as it plays out. Will they get a chance to host? If they don't get a chance to host, will they be a different team away from Citizens Bank Park, which is a bandbox for them? than if they got a chance to host all three games in the wild card for them. A lot of interesting series going on. Obviously, Toronto, New York. Let's end on this. And I, I think Cleveland and Chicago right now. One that you might not think about, but it's a rematch. It's interesting. And as we were crowning the Mets and the Yankees, look out. Astros-Braves right now is an interesting series. Well, I mean, the Astros are they're just a good team. I mean... There's, there's not a lot of holes, and Alex Bregman has come alive all of a sudden for those guys. Uh, they've got a little bit of an issue at the back of the bullpen, a little bit of inconsistency with Ryan Presley, but I think uh, he'll be fine. When you've been there as often as they've been there, uh, nothing phases those guys. It doesn't seem like it. They just kind of they get it, they get out there, and they get it done. Uh, and the Braves, they can score some runs, and they can run some pitching at you. Max Fried had missed like three weeks. Goes out last night, those seven strong innings against the Mets, so... Uh, I'm with you on that. Those are good. Those are good teams to pay close attention to. Yeah, you take three or four. You knew you had to split between Scherzer and Degrom. They do just that. You're not going to be shocked if we're having you on the show in October and we're like, "Hey, it's the World Series and it's the Astros and the Braves." No, you would uh, be shocked. I would not be shocked at all. Uh, and it'll be interesting next week too. Yankees and Mets again, and the Scherzer and Degrom are pitching in that series against the Yankees. Thank so, you very much. My pleasure. Always. We got enjoy. Cal Stevenson coming. You're on. going to enjoy this kid. Uh, we've spent I've spent a lot of time with him on the road trip. He's a he's a very engaging young man. He's fun to talk to. Uh, he's got a good you know just a good baseball sense about him. He made an unbelievable throw yesterday yeah. in Texas, and uh, we talked about it after the game. That seed right on the on the base. Wish there was a better result. There wasn't, but uh, it really opened up my eyes again. Just watching this kid, it seems to show signs of being a, a fundamentally strong player. All righty. Thanks, Tony. We'll talk to you before the game. <laughs> no, you got you got the guy you got the guy back off vacation. I got, I got back from vacation, Kid Corrad. Yes, you do. We'll talk to the outfielder next, right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. We on? Hey, how about this guy, the new outfielder, Cal? Great to have you on the program. Glad to be here. I mean, this for you... I just think about the dream of you get traded, you come over to a team that you grew up watching, 
not that far from here, making your debut. Everybody's spelling out your name. I mean, what has this ride been like for you? It's been awesome. Uh, you know, like you said, just coming back home and being able to play in front of my uh, my family has been it's been awesome, and uh, I'm looking forward to it uh, in the future. You know, we haven't been able to talk to you before. What was it like when the trade went down? You're getting traded for Christian Bethencourt. So you're getting traded. Oh, okay, that probably stinks. But you're going to the A's. What was that like? Um, well, at first I didn't know it was the A's. I, j I was just told I was traded. And then, uh, you know, after a few moments he had told me it was the A's. And, uh, you know, it's just an opportunity that, uh, you know, I got to play in the big leagues. And uh, here I am. You know, I didn't, I didn't really have much thought to it. It was uh, – it was just getting back here and uh, getting an opportunity and playing every day. Did you view coming back here, as we talk about a lot, the land of opportunity? You know you get here, you're going to have a chance. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, that's what Kotze and I had talked about when uh, I had gotten called up. And, uh, you know, they were saying take, take advantage of your opportunities. You're going to get plenty of them. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to do that. By the way, he said it earlier today. I had the interview with him. We do it every Friday, the Mark Kotze Show. And he has said it now multiple times how much you remind him of himself being out there. And I'm like, that can't hurt if the skipper is looking out and saying, yeah, that kind of reminds me of me. Yeah, you know, that, you know it's good. Uh, I, I got asked that question the other day. Um, it's, it's nice when your manager has some trust in you um, and, and kind of knows your style of play and uh, it just lets you go out there and play freely. What is the key for you now that you've had some at-bats, been home, yeah. been on the road, coming back, what it you feel a little more free? How you feeling? Yeah, I mean, you know, that first week is is uh is a little different. You know, you're coming up and you're trying to fit in. You're meeting some new guys, some new coaches. You're trying to get on the same page. So, um, you know, that first week's done, and uh, you know, I'm just like I said, I'm just trying to go out there and play and, and do my thing. Have you noticed them starting to make adjustments to you at all? Yeah, um, today I came in a little early, got some early work in, uh, got with Tommy a little bit, our hitting coach, and. Uh, you know, had a good plan of uh, what we're going to try and do uh, moving forward. So that was nice. Technology here at the big league level is a little bit different, even though there's great technology all over baseball. College baseball really yep. has been at the forefront in a lot of ways. But how, how do you use it once you get here? Because there's so much video. There's so much data to help you. Is it, are you using all of it or is it select? What's best for you? I think everyone's different. You're, you you want to use things and utilize them as best you can, but uh, just taking what you can from the video or certain analytics side of it, you uh, you definitely just try and do your best to, to read it and, and, and do stuff in between at-bats, in between pitches if you can. I mean, it's tough in between pitches, but um, when you're playing defense, just making those adjustments on the fly and uh, you know not waiting after the game to make those adjustments. What's the big league moment that everybody has, like, I can't believe I'm here? Uh, I've tried not to think about that. Uh, for me, it's been the food. You know, there's a lot of food in the in the clubhouse and the locker room, so it's just trying not to eat too much and uh, uh, just trying to to. Uh, I, I can't even explain. There's so much food in there. Well, you don't it's, have it's to bring awesome. your own food no. to the ballpark. No. You know what I mean? They feed you guys <laughs> constantly. Yeah, no, you just try and manage it. Uh, yeah. I've been told not to eat too much because you, you could gain some weight quick, and uh, yeah, I've been trying to manage that. And then, of course, I got to think playing in Texas new stadium yeah. is pretty spectacular. Yeah, Texas was awesome. They did a really good job on that stadium, and uh, Houston was really cool too. So, um, you know, I just want to beat those guys more in the future, and uh, I'm looking forward to doing that. So, being back home, the cell phone. What is it like? Text from friends, family. How has it changed? 
I got a lot of texts. I got a lot of DMs on Instagram. Uh, I tried to get back to as many people as I can. I still got. I still gotta get back on that. Uh, but you know, I got a lot of love and support from everyone back home. A lot of former teammates. So. Um, that was nice to see a lot of people congratulate me, and I, I, I just want to say now that I really appreciate that. Well, yeah, I mean, you're coming, I mean, you're back home. You're yeah. a kid that grew up, you know, in the East Bay. You grew up an A's fan. You grew up going to this stadium. Yep. It's kind of like, it's a dream come true that most players never get. Yeah, no, I mean, it, like I said, it's a great opportunity. Not many people get to experience that, and uh, I'm, I'm just really looking forward to, to fitting in here and, uh, you know, the future here. I remember when you got traded over here, my accountant, the former mayor of Fremont, Bill Harrison, was like, hey, my guy, he's coming your way. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, I mean, even I have a connection yeah. to you, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's what's really cool about someone who gets to play at home, but most importantly in front of your family because obviously if you're making your debut in Tampa, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've been on the East Coast my whole uh, professional career. And uh, it's kind of crazy how the full circle swings around, and uh, I'm back here. I get an opportunity, like I said, and get to do big things. Well, I, I, a lot of respect for the Rays and their yep. organization. Yep. Very smart, no question. Yep. What did you learn? Probably what's the number one thing you learned from being with the Rays? Uh, just the work ethic. Uh, they're really big on um, just getting a lot of reps in and early work and uh, just just going all out on live reads and just doing stuff at game speed. So I think that has really helped me out in uh, the defensive side and uh, the offensive side, just really slowing things down and, and just letting the game happen. Let's end on this. Your preference in the lineup, do you like hitting leadoff? Is it something you're comfortable doing? Is it where you want to be? I know right now you're going to, hey, wherever you put me, I'm going to, where are you most comfortable in the order? I would say leadoff. Um, for me, it's just seeing pitches and, and kind of getting an idea of how guys are trying to pitch to me. And, um, you know, I feel like I'm a guy that gets on base a lot and works counts. So it's it's kind of just relaying those pitches and how a guy is trying to pitch uh, that day. And I think I have a good idea of what guys are trying to do. So um, it's just like getting, getting all that stuff back in the dugout, getting on base, trying to score, get things going. I, I think I kind of just fit that role of the leadoff guy, and I think that's where I'm more comfortable at. Well, hopefully this right here is something we're doing for many years to come. I think it's a great story. Obviously, everybody's pulling for you. And, and welcome to Oakland, and welcome to the A's fan base. And I have a feeling uh, this is going to be a good ride for you. Yeah, I hope so. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, look forward to meeting with you more. Appreciate your time. <laughs> Thank you. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Lot. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's lastdivebar.com. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, we're going to have a little Omaha as we're going to play Mark Kotze for you, the Mark Kotze Show. As, as you can start to see, everybody is starting to file in here as the Treehouse Happy Hour is rocking. What is Last Dive Bar doing over here that we have so many people? Uh, there, there's a celebration of life going on for um, a man named Ray passed away. So they're doing a celebration of life. His whole family's here. Beautiful. And everyone has on the We Love You Ray shirts that they did for Ray Fossey. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I heard about this. Yeah, the last dive, uh, Brian told me they're donating. From, Brian from The Last Dive Bar, one of our sponsors, told me they're donating, I believe, $1,000 to uh, uh, the checks right there. One thousand dollars to Papa Ray, the Ace Community Fund. Oh, so that's awesome. The work they do with the uh, for the Ace Community Fund and charity is uh, fantastic. Yeah, there's no. That's why they're one of our best sponsors. By by the way, I I, I was going to. I don't even know if we're going to get to it now, and then uh, I don't even know if this will be a story by the time we come back on Monday. Um, this Fernando Tatis deal is getting. It's getting bad. It's going to be a story for a while. Well, yeah, but the but the main point of it now is whatever his father's trying to sell down the Dominican, whatever we're seeing Big Poppy, Pedro Martinez, it just keeps getting worse. And now reports are that Jerickson Profar, former athletic, has been desperately trying to get him to, hey, man, you got you to own this in front of the team, in front of the fellas. And he hasn't done that. Now, A.J. Preller, who runs the Padres, has met with him. But he hasn't met. What's the, guy, what's the managing general part? Stetler? Uh, Peter Seidler. Peter Seidler is the managing general part. He has not met with Tatis. He's the one that approved the 14-year, $340 million contract. Let's not forget, this is more than just, ah, oh, the player. They got a 14, $340 million contract that we're talking about here that, you know, if everybody's not lovey-dovey and not comfortable this early in the contract, you got problems. This is one of the largest financial commitments in the history of American professional sports. And, oh, by the way, when the Padres traded for Soto, Josh Bell, and Hader, everything was supposed to be roses, and Tatis was coming back. Padres have lost nine of their last 14. They've they've scored just 11 runs in the nine defeats during that stretch. Josh Bell's hitting a buck 25. Hader can't get anybody out. He's getting booed. He got booed off the mound yesterday. And if I look right here at the playoff, the current playoff standings, and the seeding, do you know what seed the Padres are? They're the third wild card, the final wild card. They're sixth. Yeah, they're the last wild card team. They are sixth. 
you go all in on Juan Soto, Bell, and Hayter, and you've dropped in the seating. No, don't forget Brandon Drury, too. That was a sneaky pickup. And they're, yeah, they're You're sixth. I believe they're only like, I think they're two games out because the Brewers lost today, so they're two games ahead of the Brewers. If, if the Padres don't get into the playoffs and make hay, I'd probably say you got another president of baseball operations. I don't know what A.J. Preller's title is. I believe he is the is he the president? He might be the president of baseball. I, you got another guy who's going to get fired. John, John Daniels just got fired. When I keep talking about how there's no patience in this game anymore, our buddy Bob Nightingale, and we're not going to have time to get to it today, but maybe we'll do that on Monday. Our, bo- our buddy Bob Nightingale ha- now has the, okay, Chris Woodward is gone. Who are the next managers that could lose their jobs? That's four already this season. He's got a whole list in the USA Today of guys that could go. Our guy, Mark Kotze, of course, is not on that list. But you're going to have a lot of change in these guys that are vice president, president of baseball operations. The game is moving fast and preaching preaching patience while giving out hundreds of millions of dollars, not working. And A.J. Preller has had his job for a long time down there. Our own Bob Melvin, he left his – Bob had another year. He had his extension picked up. He left that to take this cushy job with the Padres. Now, not looking so cushy as you're the last seed. You keep dropping. I mean, you're at a point – the Milwaukee Brewers are just one game behind the Padres. we got a lot of games to go. Yeah. The Padres could be easily be out of the postseason. Can you imagine how bad that will look? You trade for Juan Soto. Tatis is suspended into next year. you got Bell. you got Hayter. Drury, as you mentioned, and you don't make the playoffs. What a bad look. That yeah. This will be another horrible bad look, and people will be losing their jobs. There's no question about it. But more importantly, it is Friday. That means it is time for the Mark Katze Show, brought to you by Nest Betting. Time now for the Mark Katze Show right here on A's Cast, brought to you by Nest Betting. Check out their locations in the Bay Area for all your betting needs, or you go online, nestbetting.com. Use the coupon code Oakland. We're We're talking about your mattress, your pillows, your sheets, everything nestbetting.com use the coupon code oakland to get 10 percent off your entire order the bed that mark Kotze sleeps on i think you got to be thrilled to be back home and sleeping on your on your nest bedding bed i am thrilled to, to be in the nest bedding stuff um obviously uh a big shout out to nest bedding um you know they've taken care of uh a lot of things for my family and could be more appreciative but uh, very comfortable stuff for sure, Tony. Yeah, because on the road, I mean, after a while, here we are in August. You've been doing a lot of hotels. You were just in Houston, then in Texas. It's got to be nice for, I think, for you, your players, to come home and know you got 10 straight days back in the Bay Area. Yeah, it's definitely nice to be home. And you get the opportunity, you know, whether you want to fly family in, um, spend some time with you. If you're coming back home and your family's here, uh, you're excited about that, and uh, again, we are in the in the midst of August. It's uh, in, and also in the midst of a, a 17 game uh, stretch or 16 game stretch where um, you know we're not we're not going to get a day off. So you got to take advantage of some time at home for sure. 
Yeah, talk about that stretch in August because when they say the dog days, this is what they're talking about. 17 straight days without a day off, a lot of transition going on with your club. This isn't easy. Uh, well, it's never easy. I mean, a major league season is a grind, and, you you know, you uh, experience that as, as you get a little bit older, as you've been in the game a little bit longer. Uh, you understand the grind. Uh, the excitement and energy that, that sometimes the, the young guys that haven't been through it um, will experience, it carries them through this time. And I think we kind of addressed that a little bit uh, as the changes have taken place over the last week or so and uh, and talked about finishing this season strong, that we've got uh, 45 games left uh, when we talk to the club and that we're not going to stop working. We're not going to, we're going to sprint through the finish line uh, build ourselves, keep continue to build ourselves, continue to uh, learn, uh, work, and uh, and fight till the end. Well, I want you to know that I'm always paying attention to everything. So I was listening to you on with the Power Alley on Sirius XM with our good friend Mike Farron and Jim Duquette and listening to you with them. And you talked about that fight. You talked about, hey, listen, we want to show not only ourselves, the other teams, what we're all about. Just how important is that fight, not only for inside your clubhouse, but to show the other clubhouse? Yeah, for sure. You know, um, I think the message was sent to our guys as well. Uh, after that conversation on MLB radio, uh, I felt the need to address the team and send that message. And the message is that our season, you know, really <clears throat> from this day forward starts to impact uh, how we uh, send a message to the league how we're going to continue to play this game, uh, not not just through this end of this season, but but to start of next season. We really want to continue that culture um, because I think it's been good. I think the culture in the clubhouse has been good. We've experienced a lot of adversity, a lot of change. Uh, we're nowhere near where we want to be in terms of wins, losses. Um, but these guys haven't given up, and they're going to continue to work hard and, and continue to set a tone for next year. And obviously – uh, where we're at, we can impact some other teams' seasons. You know, scouting reports, box scores in the minor leagues, that's one thing. But then seeing a guy with your own eyes is a whole different deal. Now, I've been able to talk to him one time. It was on a video call when I was uh, doing the pregame show for NBC. Seems like a real nice kid. Now that you've got a couple days with Shea Langoliers, just tell me about the whole package. What do you see with your eye test? Well, I see a young, uh, obviously passionate, energetic um, young player. He obviously fits the mold of a catcher, um, you know, and um, it's great to, to have him here. It's going to be great to get a, an extended period of time with him. Um, it's great for him. He's going to benefit from being around Sean Murphy and, and Stephen Vogt. In all in all capacities, um, both offensively and defensively, and just you know, for us as a staff, um, getting to know him, getting to know how he works. Um, but at, at this point, you know, in the limited three games we've seen him, uh, we know who he is in terms of a person and the work ethic, and we're excited about that. We've been able to see him pull the baseball. I mean, his first base hit is first pitch he ever sees, which is hilarious. Had the double yesterday uh, in the, the second game of the three that he played. Lee, you know, his first at-bat, he ripped one to third base. He lined out. 
We've seen him go opposite field. We see him taking it, go deep opposite field in Texas, which is not easy to do. Tell us about the approach where it kind of looks like he, he's got power and he can go to all fields. Yeah, again, you know, I think he's had 12, 13 at-bats, and, uh, and what we're seeing obviously, um, you know, aligns with what we've gotten from reports from, you know, Fran, who's our manager in AAA and the hitting coaches down there. You know, all young hitters like to pull the baseball, so that's not a secret. But to see him go to right center, uh, hit a ball, well enough to get out of the ballpark uh, and cost me $100 at the same time. Uh, we know that the importance of keeping him to the right center gap is, is, is going to be a continued message. It's going to be a continued uh, thing that he needs to do to have success here, as all hitters have, need to do. You see Sean Murphy uh, over the last six weeks, his approach to where, where he's hitting the baseball uh, and the success he's having. It's, it's to the middle of the field. It's, it's when, when hitters, young hitters especially, get poolside happy, uh, it tends to lead to, you know, more strikeouts, uh, more swing and miss. So, <clears throat> you know, we're going to continue to work with Shea. And, uh, but, you know, like you said, um, he's an aggressive hitter. He's got a couple doubles, a homer. So uh, it's exciting to watch for sure. Well, I said this in the post game, and I'm going to say it with you. I don't care when or how you get a C note from somebody. Boy, does it make you feel good. <laughs> and I didn't even get a thank you from him. So I'm going to no. make sure I, I have him run by my office today because I left it on his chair and uh, I've yet to have him come in and say, Hey, Skip, you know, thanks for, thanks for staying true to your words. So, um, but you know, the other aspect that we haven't gotten into or talked about uh, was the throw from yesterday's game. That, that was pretty impressive as well. But as I mentioned, it's nothing new here. It's nothing that we haven't seen with Sean Murphy. So, uh, but it was exciting to watch a young kid, a young rookie, make his first throw on on one of our former players, Marcus Simeon, who had a heck of a jump, and uh, and still, you know, throw him out. So that was that was fun to watch too. I also thought Cal Stevens' throw from center field was impressive on Marcus Simeon. Now he didn't get the out. However, you want to perceive the tag and talk about the tag, but I think you're starting to see some good things out of Cal too. Yeah, you know, Cal's been here for, uh, what, a week plus, and, uh, you know, watching him play center field, he's got great instincts. Uh, he actually kind of reminds me a little a little of myself. Uh, you know, he, he's not a burner, but he gets, you know, pretty good jumps. Uh, he runs great routes. So, um, you know, I think we've seen a few catches of Cal uh, defensively, and then, like you said, the, the throw yesterday, if we could get Machine to hang in there. I know it's a tough play. The ball's coming right over the shoulder and, and uh, runners coming in sliding. So, um, you know, not, nothing against uh, what machine tried to do to stay in there as long as possible and, and get a tag, but uh, a really nice accurate throw at that too. You know, you look at, at Sean Murphy, big Murph and, and whether it's the numbers that really started in June followed through a strong July I mean, he just kills Texas in that new ballpark. I mean, he's got ownage there. Just talk about this is finally, we're finally starting to see this could be a guy that's middle of the order that can produce and put up major numbers. Talk about just how the growth you're seeing of him as a, from an offensive standpoint. Yeah, for Murph, I think he's taken another step uh, built off last season and the growth he had there offensively um you know he struggled a little bit in may i think there was a little bit 
um, you know, of, of expectation that he put on himself uh, hitting in the middle of the order, which he hadn't done on this ball club, um, you know, based on the personnel. Um, but, you know, he got through that, that transition. Uh, he's comfortable where he's hitting now. And as you said, I think he can be a middle of the order bat that, that drives in runs and, and can do some damage, um, you know. So, uh, you know, it's funny. You you talk about – we've talked about Shea Langliers. We've talked about Sean Murphy. And, you know, yesterday I was sitting in the dugout and I looked behind and the Rangers catchers, Jonah Heim, and yeah. another Oakland A's, you know, catcher that we've had here. So uh, we've been able to identify some pretty good backbones in, in, uh, in the recent years for sure. Well, that's where I've talked about, you know, I'd like to see one of them find another glove and go out there and play so we can see him in the lineup every day. Normally, that's something you try and do in the minor leagues. Is that something that we could see down the stretch, one of your catchers finding another position other than D8 so you can get both of them in the lineup? Well, I mean, that's it, nice in theory. Uh, it's whether or not... <clears throat> you know, you can, you can transition or make that transition. And then you have to look at the value that they provide behind the plate and what you're taking away from that. Um, if, you know, you can do it, uh, relative, um, you know, split playing time, uh, with both utilizing the DH and, and the catching position. So, uh, it's a good problem to have, um, you know, both these guys, um, are still as Sean's still young. He's, you know, starting out, I think, in his third season, going into his fourth season. So, um, you know, he's still a young player. And uh, I think a lot of the question marks Sean's answered, which lied with, you know, oh, is he going to stay healthy? Can he catch 125, 30 games? And he's answering all those questions right now. So we're real happy about that. Let's end on this. This has to feel pretty good. With Noisy going deep yesterday, that's 34 home runs in the second half. There's only four other teams in baseball who have hit more than you during that time, just how much pressure does that take off the offense? And just, just for the morale in the dugout, seeing the ball go over the fence, how it helps you guys. Yeah. I mean, you know, that that slug is something that uh, obviously helps win baseball games as well as on base. And, you know, I think uh, over the recent you know few weeks, we've done a better job of, of uh, getting on base with the walk, you know, and we're still, still grinding away to get those two out hits to get that big hit that, that extends innings that, that really, um, you know, that drives runners. in. I think we can still improve with runners in scoring position and the mentality, the approach there. So, but anytime we can, we can talk about hitting home runs and, and have that as a part of our, our arsenal. Uh, it, it definitely helps win games. And, and, you know, when you're down two and you've got two guys on, and you hit a three run homer, uh, there's a lot of momentum swing there. So, you know, these guys are working hard. We're working every day to, to continue to get better. Um, you know, the young hitters, they're going to go through their ups and downs, and that's part of the growing pain. So, um, you know, we don't want them to lose confidence in, in this stretch, and uh, we're going to continue to be positive with them and continue to, to coach them up. And, and um, you know, at the end of the season, uh, as I always talk to Brownie about, you know, you grind, you continue, you put your head down, and, and when you're done, you'll look up at the end of the year, and, and you'll be pretty close to where you want to be. Well, great stuff as always. Welcome back. Enjoy a 10-game homestand at 10 days in your own bed, which will be nice, and we'll see you out at the yard. Which is nest bedding, too, County. Don't forget that.
Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. And we are live from the treehouse, getting you ready for the A's and the Seattle Mariners. It's the start of a 10-game homestand. Fireworks tonight with Queen blaring on the speakers. It's going to be fabulous. My next guest, I think there's a new way I'm going to introduce him every single time he comes on. I'm, of course, NBC Sports California, of course, broadcaster for the A's. I'm just going to say this about him. A former Major League Baseball starting pitcher who used to complete games. That's <laughs> I'm not going to talk about the special day anymore. I'm not going to talk. I'm going to say an actual Major League Baseball pitcher who would take the ball in the first inning and they would hand him the ball when the game was over. That happened a few times. Yes. You don't see that a lot these days. Is that what you're getting at, Tony? I'm saying this man used to do it, and that now is the, is the most impressive thing about your career. Well, you know what? And, and maybe it was just because there was a lack of options. I don't know if that's necessarily true. And by uh, the way, and it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> but but uh, very fortunate to be, one, I think just to be given the opportunity to learn how to do that. That's something that I think, you know, it's twofold. One, you have to earn it. You have to show the folks who are making the decisions that you deserve to see guys the third time through, maybe even the fourth time through. If that means going through the first two, three guys, that fourth, that's pretty scary, pretty daunting. But uh, I think it's a combination of being able to earn the trust and, and one being given the opportunity or, or, you know, forcing the opportunity, which I think the staff at the end of the day, the front office at the end of the day, would love to tell you that they've got guys who are forcing that issue. So that's... Um, that, that's something that you consider when you also consider the way that the game has evolved. That's a conversation we have a lot, but I, I just don't know how often that's going to be in the cards if it's not something that is um, is is being presented on a regular basis. Key thing you said was you learned. Yes. You learned how to do it. Sure. You can't learn how to do it if you never do it. Yeah, and, and that's where I think we're seeing guys, um, and, and you know that's what was so unfortunate about what we – eventually came to learn about the injury with Paul Blackburn is this is a guy who through a lot of those successful outings as well is battling some things literally battling the ability to feel the baseball and to pitch the way he did encountering those things and still getting deep into games we're watching Cole Irvin get deeper into games and I think we've seen a lot of guys so it's you're watching guys learn those things Tony, and you're watching them earn the opportunity to learn you got to earn it to learn it and that's what i think that's what i think cole irvin is is really doing yeah we we were going over this on ace cast live how rancho cucamonga uh, a ball for the dodgers their starting pitchers aren't even averaging three innings this year yeah i mean it's it's interesting when you think about player development and there's a lot of different avenues you can take when you're talking about preparing arms and I, I think, really, it's an organizational mindset. And that's where the difference is going to come into play is when and where do you think you're going to be able to start to stretch these guys out if they're going to fill the need that you think they're going to be able to fill at the big league level. I don't think the Dodgers are running starters out there to just get three or four in the big leagues, right? We're not seeing that. So there could be something to just trying to figure out a way to maximize guys' health, introduce them to pitching, Every fifth day, maybe they lower the workload because it takes a couple years just to get your arm into uh, professional pitching shape. And and 
that's where I think a lot of organizations start to vary and start to take different routes when it comes to cultivating talent and, and growing talent. And then there's just, there's just different opinions, different theories. All right, so whether it's an A's pitcher or anybody else who's going to get called up, whether rest of August, September, we'll have call-ups, what's the advice you give guys who are getting this shot for the first time? To remember why you have earned this opportunity. The only difference is another deck, and you might know a few names on the back of the jerseys on the other side. And that's just trying it's a to pretty s- big deck. It's 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 just trying to simplify. <laughs> it's just trying to simplify everything that goes into the mindset of a guy just getting to the big leagues because there's so much noise, there's so much going on, and you just try to keep it stupid simple for yourself. That is my advice. But the confidence factor for me has to be there, and it's easy to say from afar, and it's easy to say having you know kind of gone through it, been there, done that. But that's why I'm, I'm saying and I have identified the confidence is because I know what it means to go out there and get whacked and start to waver and think, I don't know if my fastball is good there. I don't know if my changeup is good there. I don't know if the slide – like you can't – you're not going to get out to the big league level doing that. So you, you just got to flush that mindset. You're here for a reason, and you got to get outs, and you got to believe that you're the guy to do it. Location, location, location. And mm. I think like Zach Logue, that's been his problem – Location, like when he just got beat in Texas, it was location. Mm-hmm. You know, because you got a guy like Cole Irvin going tonight. You got a guy like yourself. You didn't have to throw ninety-eight to get people out, but it was location. Right, and I, I look at a guy like Zach Logan. I see a lot of myself there because I'm not going to overpower you. I wasn't going to over. I was going to rely on putting the ball where I needed to. I was going to rely on the guys behind me making great defensive plays night in and night out, and. You start to learn as a guy who can pitch to contact, as a guy who probably needs to pitch to contact, that creating pace, which I think Logue does a good job of when he's going well, that that's going to help the defense behind you. And, and so th- there's just those little lessons that you learn, those little things that you really start to value. Once you start to get those opportunities, you just you don't want to run out of those opportunities. And that's where the emphasis on when you go down for him, the left go down, but just get back to putting the ball where you want because we've seen him have success up here. And it's tough to slow down. I, I think, like, even now, like, in my golf game, if you bogey the first few holes, it's panic time, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. You know, th- same thing out there. You go out there as a young pitcher, you're trying to impress everybody, and you give up a couple runs early. It's okay. Well, Breathe. What you don't want him to do is what you clearly do with your partners, with your with guys. Panic. You, you, Panic. I was thinking project. You were projecting <laughs> how you think about struggling off the box the first few. Rolling clubs. <laughs> I'm just pissed. Right? You can't do that. No. Slow down. Yeah. You got to pump the brakes. And that's why, you know, I just try to keep the – I just try to use the term keep it stupid simple because – we do. We can convolute our brains with a lot of different thoughts, a lot of different scouting reports, numbers, tendencies. All that stuff just comes flooding in. And, uh, again, Tony, it's so easy to just say go out and compete. But if you've put the work in, if you've taken a look at the scouting reports, if you've planned your work, all that's left to do is go out and work your plan. Fans love you, and you're going to be out in the stands tonight. You're going to be right out here from the treehouse in right field. Yeah. Going to be doing the broadcast. Uh, 
Always a lot of fun, you the fans, and now we're throwing live television in there. Live television, yes. the treehouse yep. on a Friday night. Happy the, hour. Happy hour. Uh -huh. The last dive bar is, po I mean, Townie, <laughs> but I don't know if I'll see you here tomorrow. <laughs> We're going to find out. This could be your broadcasting career? We're going to find out. <laughs> <laughs> what possibly could go? That's what I said. We're doing a live show. People are drinking behind us. What possibly could go wrong? Live TV, open bar. Uh, yeah. Come on. Should this be fun. Queens coming up after. Uh-huh. This is what dreams are made I mean, of. People, yeah, people are taking pictures <laughs> as we're doing but, this. Yeah, it didn't matter. We're live. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> See how it works out? That's it. That's you tonight. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I mean, it's one thing we're doing this on YouTube and uh, yeah. AceCast. Well, but. What, what's really cool is, you know, being being back down behind home plate for those for those years when it was me, the great Ray Fossey, and, and Kipe, I had a different angle and a different look at the game, and you could take it in from a different viewpoint. This is going to be a lot of fun tonight because I'm with a lot of great fans who love this team, love this Coliseum, and they love baseball. And you factor in all the other things that you just kind of threw out there, tonight's going to be a whole lot of fun. I do miss you down there because you were hearing everything, you were seeing everything, you were relaying to us. It's just different, and especially like in Anaheim when you're right in the, almost like in the dugout, like that that that's that was special. Yeah. I mean, what you do now is great, but I do miss that because you're giving us something that we normally don't get. Yeah, it was, and it was a lot of fun. To, to look at the game from that angle. And, and really what's really cool is, you know, the, the players, they just kind of welcome you in as this crustacean that has now kind of grown on the side of the dugout. They, they know you're there. They see you there. I mean, I can remember Lucroy coming around after scoring, like, on a double from first, you know, panting, breathing hard, and I was pumped up, and he, you know, gave me a high five in the middle of the broadcast. I remember watching – you know, the ridiculous throw from Laureano. Yeah. You know, I would, Justin Upton belts a ball to left center, and Eric Young Jr. on his way around second, headed to third, and Laureano just flat-footed almost. If they took a step, just it's one of the greatest defensive plays I've ever seen. Ever, ever. And I was standing right there watching it come right. It was unbelievable. So, yeah, I, I do miss it too, but um, I, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. Well, we are out of time. I got to go do pregame. You got to go do the show. I do. Thank you for stopping by. Always. Next time, hopefully, we'll have a little bit longer. Yeah. Got nothing to do. And uh, are we getting anything special tonight? Just a, I, It's just a tease. Well, it's, are we getting anything special tonight out here with you? Some type of theme. Maybe. Well, they are. The fireworks tonight, it is a queen-themed show, right? That is it's correct. It's a queen-themed show. So, I mean, Freddie. I'm a big fan of the unis that Freddie used to trot out there. Freddie Mercury. And we're old enough to really remember Freddie Mercury mm -hmm. and how big Queen was. Massive. They used to do, I mean, they did stadiums around the world. They did concerts where there'd be two, 300,000 people. Yeah, and if you don't know, you need to ask, yo, mama. Ooh. MTV, but you kids won't even know what that means. <laughs> have a good broadcast tonight. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Coming up, we'll have A's total access for you. Getting ready for the Athletics and the Mariners. 
The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's lastdivebar.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.